Welcome to a Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette Features podcast. I'm Laura Hightower, a features writer here at the paper, and we're chatting today with some professionals from Theater Squared's new production of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. So we'll start with this lovely lady to my left. Hello. Can you tell us who you are, please? Yes, absolutely. My name's Jerry Marshall. I'm an actress in the production, and I'm playing the library slash the narrator and Mrs. Cratchit. Thank you. Hi, Laura. Uh, I'm Martin Andrew. I'm the scenic designer for the production. Thanks for being here, Martin. I'm Joanna Sheehan Bell. I'm the director of marketing and communications for Theater Squared. Yes, a very familiar face to us here around the paper. And thanks for joining us for the first time. I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks. I'm excited to be on the podcast. And I'm excited to have um, these two theater professionals with us. Uh, Both Jerry and Martin are Chicago-based Um, theater uh, professionals, and they have amazing resumes with iconic Chicago theaters like Steppenwolf, Writers Theater, Court Theater, Chicago Shakespeare Theater. Um, So we really are uh, happy to have you in the studio with us today. Thanks so much for making time. You have two preview performances under your belt now, but tonight, Friday night, is opening night for your show. So this is a big day and even more of a sacrifice for you to make time and come and see us, so thank you so much. Um, So I talked to Jerry and Bob last week, Mm -hmm. and um, A Christmas Carol was written in 1843, and there have been countless stage uh, adaptations made over the years, Mm -hmm. Um, but when I talked to Bob, he emphasized that he and Amy Hersberg, who is the co-collaborator on the adaptation, um, really sought to give this a fresh look, a fresh performance, a fresh Mm -hmm. sort of story. Um, Why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about the adaptation and and how it sort of spins a a little bit of a new take on it. Sure, absolutely. So with this production, um, they're introducing kind of a side story, but it kind of um, bookends the entire production of a librarian who is reading the story to a little boy who was left behind by his parents or by you know one of his parents and he's not sure little boy's not sure if his parents are coming back so the librarian my character steps in and um, is basically telling him the story throughout uh, the entire production and it just this production shows the parallels between the librarian her journey of loneliness to kind of like Scrooge's journey of loneliness and finding himself. So it's it's this adaptation is different in that sense that we actually have a narrator who's not Tiny Tim. I've seen productions or been in productions where Tiny Tim is the narrator, and this time we have a completely different character and a completely different plot. So yeah, she's not from, original to Charles Dickens' story. She, she is not. She is original to Amy and Bob. <laughs> they they created her. Yep. And I remember you saying that about the parallels that she makes along the way with Scrooge and sort of emphasizing this journey that mm-hmm. he's taking and and mm-hmm. and she's sort of following in his footsteps, which is yeah, kind of an interesting way. Absolutely. Like um, there's a lot of just moments that she that he has a realization that's also a realization that, that the librarian is having as well. You know, when he has a redemption moment. She's also finding that in herself and hopefully in the young boy and not to give anything away, but there are just a lot of, um, you just, I, I've said parallel probably three times now, but there's a lot of, you know, a correlation between the outside story of the librarian and the inner story of Scrooge. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Bob mentioned that he and Amy um, sort of eschew the whole um, sort of narrative, like the, here's what happened next. So they look for different ways to tell the story, and so they've hit upon 
this character as the way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. She's um, woven in the entire production. It's not like she comes at the beginning or the end. She, you know, interjects through each different scene to say, you know, this is where Scrooge is in this moment, and this is how we got to this. And there's little moments where um, it'll sidestep the, the main story to get back to her relationship mm -hmm. with the boy and check in, you know, how is he doing? How is he receiving it? Um, it's an emotional journey for his character, for my character, and it just wraps up very, very interestingly and different from anything that most people have seen with A Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah. which was their goal uh, yes. to begin with. Mm -hmm. But And as a performer, mm -hmm. normally you have a little bit of backstage time where you can sort of <laughs> <laughs> relax, shake normally. it out a little bit. Yeah. What's it like for you to be on stage nearly, nearly the entire show or the, the entire in, show? The entire show. So how has that hit you? So that's that's brand new to me. I've never done a production where I don't leave not once, you know, to get a drink of water, to check the script or anything like yeah. that. So this is definitely new. But it's been really good because it just keeps me present and keeps me on my toes. And um, it just, you know, you, you, you don't have a moment to, you know, check out you you have to stay with your you know your partner and it, it is a challenge because I'm you know a lot of times not able to look directly at the action going on my interaction is with the young boy but it just keeps me that much more alive and focused on what's going on so um, two previews under my belt I've been able to do it. I've been successful. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm feeling really good about yeah, that. You can yeah. start to relax into yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, Absolutely. good. Yeah. I'm glad. Mm -hmm. Well so Martin, I was telling you before the podcast started, I saw the set last week when it was not even finished. And yes. even in that state, I thought it was one of the most incredible sets I've ever seen. I thought Shakespeare in Love set was going to be a hard act to follow. You managed to do it quite well. It was beautiful um, and has come probably a long way since since then in the theater. Seven days is a lifetime. True. So I can't wait to see it finished. Um it's a, the action is taking actually place in the time that Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. Is that right? The 1840s? Yes, is the that? 1840s, correct. So, mm -hmm. so your set is a replica library from the 1840s in London, I'm yes. assuming? Yes, we tried to evoke that sort of early, I mean, it's technically a pre-Victorian age. It's right, right at the sort of advent of that. Um, and, you know, didn't want to get too far along into the Victorian style, but, you know, wanted to find something that represented, you know, beautiful British craftsmanship and had the warmth of a, of a library and, and something inviting, but also something of an arena for us to be able to stage all these scenes in. You know, there's a, uh, the Christmas, Christmas Carol goes so many different places. We needed to sort of facilitate so much of that um, and also just kind of put us in a place that the boy and the librarian felt at home. I mean, that was something that Amy and Bob were really... Um, felt very strongly about that they didn't ever really want to leave the library so we, we try to make the library always present in some way while still transporting us to these different locations and places and scenes. So that's a pretty tall order I would imagine as a scenic designer the versatility that's required of a set like that where it remains the library but you have to take the audience out to the streets of London or you have to take the, the audience to a home or is that is that a challenge yes for you? but it was a really fun challenge you know so often we see productions of Christmas Carol and it's sort of scenic wagons in a sense it's different you know we kind of slide scenery on and off or fly scenery on and off and it's just there's different every different scene but whether it's the Fezziwigs or the Cratchits or the County House um, it's usually larger scale units or pieces and parts that slide on 
get tracked on and brought on in some way. And we're trying to embody a realistic environment. What was like, sort of exciting about this production, I thought, was that we weren't we still had to do that, but we had to do it in a different way. We had to sort of utilize the library as a as a tool and a device in itself to be able to shape those things. So there's sort of nice tricks and 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 tools and things like that and we also try to create a space that could allow us to do that. So there's a couple double height spaces. We can really separate people on stage. There's enough room to move some things in and out. But, you know, the conceit is that everything, well, most everything that we need for the show is already in the library. So that was that was sort of an exciting challenge to me and, and, and really fun. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, Bob talked a little bit, and we don't want to give any of the secrets away, but Bob said that um, we all know the story for the most part and we know that there are going to be ghosts appearing and so the challenge is figuring out a way to make, have them appear in a way that surprises the audience. So can you talk a little bit about that process? At the very beginning when you sat down with Amy, was she, does she express you know, exactly what she needs and you do it or do you guys work together at coming up with these ideas? Um, you know, her, her express sort of mandate on that was really that we had two guiding principles. One was we wanted to stay in the library, like I mentioned, and the other was we had the imagination of the boy, uh, the young boy that's in the library that plays with Jerry's character, um, that, you know, he is our sort of guiding principle for those things, that, you know, we look for we look to him as an inspiration for those things, for anything that comes on or changes or shifts. Anything from that should sort of come from the imagination of the boy himself. Um, or the library and you know innately within the library so that was a, our guiding principle and and Amy and Bob didn't sort of have it all solved we, we really did do a lot of back and forth trying to sort of work out how we put some magic in it and some imagination into yeah. it but at least we had some sort of guiding guiding you know lanes to stay in and and you know sort of fonts to pull from if, if needed yes. for those for those solutions but no we didn't you know when approaching the piece we didn't really have anything solved other than we wanted to stay in the library and we had the boys imagination mm -hmm. so we we use those you know those are our kind of you know the the principles by which we kind of make those decisions and try to shape those moments so you start with a common vision and then you just move forward and go in bits and pieces I guess yes well, and, and this question, I'm terribly afraid it's going to come off sounding um, like one of those questions that actors get. How do you memorize all those lines? <laughs> because it's probably not as complicated as I think it is. But mm -hmm. what struck me was the richness of the set, just that that wood looked like hardwood. It looked like aged oak. It just, it's beautiful. And I imagine it's probably plywood or something akin to that? Yes, it's a combination of many different materials, and luckily we have a tremendous technical staff, a tremendous artistic staff that has assisted kind of me in bringing sort of what I thought the vision and, and finish of, and look of that set should be. Uh, I couldn't do it without them. I'm so thankful for everybody at Theater Square to, that have put so much effort into making that, that object and that piece so beautiful. Um, yes, it's largely a lie as far as what, it, what <laughs> materials it is, but... Um, I don't think anybody in the audience would know any better. No, it looks it's like amazing. a beautiful finished piece of, you know, like I said before, I, I, I kind of want, you know, and, and Bob felt strongly about this too. We really wanted to kind of make it something a little precious and a little, um, a little grand. Mm -hmm. it, it is. It is. Grand is a great word for it. Beautiful. And then the iron um, spiral staircase that leads you to the top floor. Mm -hmm. It's just, it all comes together so beautifully. Oh, thank you. So kudos to you. Um, so... 
this is a little bit, I don't want to say an obvious choice, but it's a Christmas carol. We all know it's a holiday story. But Theater Squared has um, really taken pains over the last 14 years to choose a story to put in this holiday slot. Um, and sometimes it's not so obvious. Mm -hmm. Can you, Joanna, talk a little bit about what goes into y'all's decision-making process? I mean, well, obviously it's Bob and Amy sort of as the artistic team at Theater Squared making those decisions. Um, but I know that sort of as an institution, what the conversations that we were having is this was our first Christmas in our new home. And what would you do for your first Christmas in your new home but the most iconic Christmas story? And, you know, our artistic team felt like they had something to say about it and sort of an approach to take. And so that was sort of, it all fit together because, you know, this is the first time that we get to have the holidays in this brand new space. And we wanted something to sort of usher that in and be a real celebration and sort of remind folks that, you know, theater going should be a holiday tradition. Uh, for families and that's sort of what we wanted to sort of put on our stage. That's right. You guys are going for a show that people will feel compelled to bring their entire family to, to right. make it sort of a thing that they do around the holidays. Can you talk a little bit, this year I think is the first year you've had Christmas Eve shows or am I wrong about that? Uh, we have had Christmas Eve shows for a number of years, um, but you know, we've had, um, it's been sort of a, a kind of a more small affair. The, the space was smaller. Now we have the West Theater, we have more capacity. We even have the opportunity to do more Christmas shows. Um, so we have two shows on Christmas Eve. Um, one and, and you know this particular show happens to lend itself to bringing all ages to it uh, And so on Christmas Eve, we're doing an 11 a.m. Matinee for the little littles yeah. and then a 6 p.m. Wear your Christmas PJs. Yeah, come on down for Christmas Carol <laughs> show. It's, I, I When I was talking about this with my husband that there are two kinds of people people that celebrate Christmas sort of around the lunch time and people that celebrate it in the evening time, and now you've sort of covered your bases. Exactly. It sort of um, is perfect for anyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that means actors are going to be in Fayetteville for at least Christmas Eve. That's right. Yes. Yes. So, and, and beyond. Yes. 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 Um, if you don't travel home for that next day, because yes. you've got a show then that you have a show the 26th. The 26th and the 27th. Yes. Of so, yeah. so you really aren't getting too much of a break there. No, but we'll have like some people are having family come in town to, um, to visit them. And a lot of people are hosting stuff at, you know, houses for the holidays, for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. So that's nice. Yeah. We're yeah. a pretty theater squared has a pretty big fan base. I imagine there are lots of doors opening up to you to. Oh, yeah. And if not, come over to my house. You oh, can, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome anytime. <laughs> thank you. Um, why don't does anybody. So uh, it is a Christmas show. It's logical to perform it during the holidays, but other than that, what makes this show a, and its message a good show to to present in in the times we find ourselves in? Um, I think it's it's a big um, eye opener at just taking care of your fellow man, because in the times we're in right now. Um, a lot of times, we, we it, it's easy to become, the, you know, attached to technology and social media and your cell phone and not pay attention to what's going on around you and just, you know, kind of distancing yourself. And this, especially with this new adaptation, this is definitely promoting, you know, looking out for somebody else who may be less fortunate or needs your help in any capacity. And it's adding on that extra layer of, you know, Scrooge's redemption to this other story about, you know, just 
taking care of somebody and connection that I think that we could really use in 2019 and going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in sort of concert with what Jerry's saying, I also think it's about self-reflection in, in that same way. It's, it's not only about like, you know, I think it's about looking at your actions and the things that you do and sort of checking yourself in some ways and putting yourself up to that mirror and, and kind of looking at the actions you've had and the way you've behaved all year and, and asking yourself if that's in the, in the spirit uh, not only of Christmas, but in of how you want to be as a person, because yeah. I think there's such a redemption story to Ebenezer Scrooge. I mean, he, he really does go through a, a change, and it's about can we change is kind of a big question for the show itself. And I think, you know, I, I think most people know what the answer is, but yeah. I think that going through that journey is really beautiful in its, in its own way. Yeah, and make sure you don't see yourself in Scrooge. In any way. <laughs> and if you do, figure out how to fix do, that. Right. Yes. Wake, yeah. up, wake up some morning and be different. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, the show uh, runs from now until December 27th. You guys close on the 27th. Uh, the shows are Wednesdays through Saturdays at 7.30, Saturdays and Sundays uh, matinees at 2. Um, and as always, I like to mention Theater Squared offers more affordable ticket options through their Lights Up Access program, and that includes families who qualify for SNAP assistance. Um, there are also a certain number of 30 under 30 tickets for each show uh, for those um, theater goers who are under the age of 30. And nonprofit organizations serving low income community members can call and talk to the theater about receiving free tickets for those facing the greatest barriers to access. So I always like to mention that because I think it's great that Theater Squared makes a real effort to to um, open their doors for accessibility. Thank you all for making time in this busy day. I, I get to send you back down there where you can uh, get prepared for your giant opening night. And Joanna, your schedule is always busy, so thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank and you for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. So <laughs> Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you.